baseball podcast i am your host adam mckinnon as always and with me as always is uh, my co-host here jim passon jr jim yeah another episode i think what four i think we're into now the, this would be number six actually six? yeah i'm not really good at numbers people shouldn't follow me for numbers <laughs> this is yeah number you're not a numbers guy right that's, that's no. not your thing definitely not something i'm good at that's for sure so uh but yeah so basically we're a little bit delayed on this one and i'll take the heat uh for this uh just because uh i've been wrestling a cough for the last week that my my two-year-old was really nice enough to give to me so uh i'm just gonna i'm gonna limp through this one uh and uh you know we're gonna see how this goes but uh really the reason we are a little bit late on this one is uh we're we're here to talk about the World Series. I think it's, you know, the, the takes have gone from steaming hot to lukewarm. Uh, we've, I've seen way more bare men's chests uh, than, I, than I care to see from, from baseball players, if nothing else. Uh, yep. You know, to, I've had my fill. And so now, is, what a perfect time to talk about this past series. So... Um, you know, we'll just, uh, Jim, what was, what was your biggest takeaway from, from this series? Well, I, you know, I think for this series, I think was, uh, the, the biggest takeaway was just the way that it all played out to where the visiting team won every game for me. I think that just couldn't have been any odder. I mean, it's, it's never been a, a series where six times of the visitors ever won in the series much less all seven so i thought that was pretty crazy and then uh just the way that um the nats used their pitching staff again they just kept on trucking the way that they were trucking all postseason uh using their relievers and starters as if they didn't matter if they were relievers or starters it just didn't matter to them so right yeah patrick corbin i mean who who'd have thunk it you know Right, ten ten yeah. innings, ten strikeouts. He gave up four runs, but you know, I don't know. It just it didn't feel it, it, it didn't feel like that. If you asked me, like, don't look at the numbers. How do you think Patrick Corbin did? I would have been like MVP. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think it feels better that way. Um, I think it feels better about Corbin when you think about how the Nationals bullpen operated all year. It's like, oh, right. okay, the Nationals bullpen would have been completely ecstatic about getting just four earned runs out of ten innings pitched. Uh, True. Out of out of each one of their relievers, but yeah. So Corbin, I think he just come in and he settled things down the way it needed to be settled down for that team, where the rest of the bullpen would probably not have given him that, especially the way they performed all year. I think I agree with that. You know, it's almost like. A historically bad bullpen somehow found a way to be a good enough bullpen to beat the team with the best OPS plus 
in baseball. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, for those who maybe didn't catch it, let me just sum it up real quick for you. Uh, if you didn't watch the World Series this year, um, you know, or you've got, uh, for some reason, you have all seven games on, like, uh, is TiVo, st- TiVo's not a thing anymore, but some sort of on-demand service? I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, just skip, you know, watch game one and then just skip games two through two through five. Um, uh, You know, pretty, pretty dreadful affairs, if you ask me. Um, You know, games two through six, uh, the winning team uh, outscored the losing team 38 to eight. So really, really icky. Um, But, you know, if you uh, if you do, you know, this was a series where. It just real. It started off, hey, this could be pretty good, you know. Then it just, oof, it just trudged through, and then games six and seven really did talk about a series that redeemed itself, you know, a la twenty sixteen a little bit, uh, you know. And you had great storylines too. Uh, Max Scherzer's neck like detaching from his body. <laughs> and then somehow finding the will to not just pitch, but pitch game seven of the World Series on short rest. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, Jose Urquidy, you know, coming out and, and throwing, a, throwing a gem. Uh, Zach Greinke just being, you know, fantastic, but still coming out on the losing end. Uh, Howie Kendrick and the foul pole. I mean, just like... So many yeah. classic moments just sort of like scrunched into this like games six or seven, you know, these last two games, the interference call, the, you know, the, the review, the, the review to nowhere. <clears throat> Were you watching that Jim? No, I was stuck on an airplane on my way back from the wonderful land of Mexico where the sun shines and the beaches are nice and warm. Yeah. I would have, um, I would have traded that. <laughs> Yeah, I come back and it was a big story about it. But then uh, when I checked out the replay of it and then saw how it played out and saw Rendon hit the home run behind it, it was it was really a lot of much ado about nothing in the end. Is it a controversial rule, a call? Yeah, should they do something about it? I think so. But right. uh, I'm, I'm glad it didn't end up being something that was going to decide everything in the end. So I kind of feel like if Anthony Rendon doesn't hit a home run. This entire World Series just goes down the tubes, man. Like, yeah, yeah, no redemption. Yeah, exactly. And and instead, yeah, he gets he pops one off, and then and then continues tearing up the ball later in the game too. And they run away with it, and uh, it makes it all for naught. So, and then that set up a beauty of a game seven for us. That was nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and what was fascinating to me was. You know, not enough that the team's ERAs matched. Both teams pitched to a 4.29 ERA for the series. But what I found incredibly interesting was not just the way that the Nationals used their bullpen, but also how the Astros used their bullpen. Uh, most particularly, the one of the storylines in Game 7 was Garrett Cole sitting on the bench reminding me of Craig Kimbrell in 2013, just just watching the game sort of unravel. When that happened, I couldn't help but think, 
is he are they like what are they saving him for like you've got the greatest strikeout pitcher of the year sitting in your bullpen you know yeah yeah and i mean not even just sitting warmed up and ready to rock and roll i mean i you think of craig kimbrell i think of zach Britton in that wild card game oh good just point out. that was uh Wait. blue jays and orioles right yeah yeah the baldo game good grief you bring in jimenez instead and then yep Britain sitting on the bench. Yeah, it's a. I, I mean, I get having Harris in there. Harris had a heck of a series, had a heck of a postseason, had a heck of a season. I mean, I understand why he's there, but it just seems to me that uh, I mean, if, if if I had a choice between a a great Harris and an unbelievable Cole, even on two days rest or three days rest that Cole had, I, I mean, give me Cole. You know, I I'll tend to agree it. with you, man. You know, it's Game Seven, dude. <laughs> Yeah, let him empty the gas out of the tank. I mean, it's it just seems to be that way. I mean, I don't want to hold anything back, or I want to hold anything against uh, Harris. I mean, he pitched, it threw a beauty of a pitch. I mean, it was a good pitch, man. I, I, that was just great hitting. Sorry, great hitting. That's, I mean, that's the World Series, right? I mean, that's right. That's why they're there. I mean, this is the 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 two teams that deserve to be in this World Series. I don't feel any different about that today. Um, Maybe before the series started, I was like, eh, maybe the Nationals probably weren't my the team that I thought should have been there. But I mean, they played great for the last half the season plus to get there. So really, in the end, yeah, the two best teams were there doing battle, and we got a result that that showed that. I mean, even if the the previous games didn't really live up to maybe all the hype. It just seemed like it might have been a little bit dry. That game seven and the way it finished, uh, yeah, it, it, it matched out. Just, just still deep down, it still baffles me that even after that hit, that Garrett Cole still never found his way to that mound that game. Yeah, so. I don't understand. I, I th- and then A.J. Hinch, of course, answered questions after the game, more, more or less saying, that the uh, his logic was he wanted to use him in the ninth, and uh, yep. I don't know, man. That just did not sound like AJ Hinch to me. That sounded yeah. like a guy who was um, who was looking for an excuse. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then ninth came around, and they gave up a couple more runs just to make sure. You know, I mean, it was it was still a two run ball game at the beginning of the ninth. Yeah, and, I, I, and I still. <coughs> It was they still um rolled out Smith and and then Urquidy to finish the game, but right. I you yeah. know what fascinated me too was, you know they were talking about it on um, uh, Fangraphs, uh, you know Meg Rally and uh, I I, I uh, and hang it. I don't I forget who the other um, person was on the podcast, but he was saying that uh, you know maybe there was something in the rap soto, maybe there was something in his windup where, you know. They they call back to Hinch. Hinch goes for Cole, and he just says no. He doesn't have his stuff tonight. And uh, yeah. so I mean I don't know. There's things we'll never know. But you know what was painfully obvious when you're wearing a Boris hat after the game. Eh, whatever it is, it yeah. doesn't bode well. Yeah, so. it sure felt like it was an obvious statement from Cole that was basically saying, hey, I was ready. It was our moment, you know, give me right. a shot. And I think it was a statement piece from him, that's for sure. You're right, I agree. So um, Steven Strasburg gets the MVP nod. Um, any objections to that? Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't really think so. I mean, I think, 
you could have looked at a Rendon or, or something to that effect, uh, maybe a Soto in there. But, you know, Strasburg, I mean, he held his own. He did what he had to do to, to pick up his victories. It feels almost more like the MVP was given to him for not just the World Series, but the entire postseason, just for how well he pitched throughout the whole entire postseason. But it's hard to get, I mean, to, for me to understand how, you know, a pitcher can, I think he pitched 14 and a third innings, I think, in this World Series, uh, could win the MVP with that much time on the mound. But the time that he spent on the mound was was quality. He did what the team needed him to do, especially on the road. So, um, yeah. yeah I, I, it'll, I, it'll, be hard to, it'll be hard to argue against it, you know. It, it, but it's always, I always have a tough time when they name – the World Series MVP, a, a pitcher. I, yeah. I just ha- I have a hard time with that. Because um, if you go down the list of MVPs and you look at the pitchers, there's like a couple that are like, oh, okay, you know, like this this guy just absolutely dominated. Yep. And then there's some guys like, like Cole Hamels. If you look at his stat line from 2008, or you look at maybe Josh Beckett. I mean, well, I think it was Josh Beckett who won the – I have to look it up. Won the MVP, but won it with like a four ERA. Boy, yeah, was that oh three? Yeah. yeah, I believe that was correct. Yeah, but he picked up the W's that he needed for Florida. So sure, and, and I guess it just didn't. Yeah, I guess I there probably wasn't bogus, anything dude. else to stand out to take its place, right? Right. I mean, so. it had to be. It had to be a rough. It had to be a rough series, you know, and. Uh, <coughs> Yeah. For as little for as little as pitchers, especially in a short series, you know, on one hand, they are incredibly, you know, I'm not devaluing, you know, the impact of a of a solid starting pitcher. But you know, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of one of those things, man. Like you know, they're out there, you know, the position players are out there. I think Rendon is the most important player in this series, hands down, bar none. I feel like without Rendon, the, this is a sweep. Yeah, or something to some, to to some extent. Yeah, maybe a little. Yeah. Over, maybe I'm overselling it a little bit, but yeah, he's a, he's such a key portion of that team. Um, not just at the plate, but over there at third base as well. Just that's what you need from that position. A lot of things go wrong at third base more than they do at other positions. And uh, to have a guy like that, that also carries a bat that he carries and his discipline at the plate. I mean, yeah, very valuable. Heck, even in the three games that they lost at home, you know how many times Anthony Rendon struck out in those three games? Uh, uh, no. No, not zero because he didn't. <laughs> he did, right? They lost all three games. They only scored three runs during those games. He he was solid at the plate, just you know, bad luck at the dish where he wasn't getting getting the hits, but he wasn't up there just you know swinging and missing either. So right. putting up solid at bats. So that's a, yeah, that dude's gonna you know everybody's talking about uh, Strasburg and Cole and these guys are gonna get paid in the offseason. Well, you know Anthony Rendon might actually have earned a. Have have done more to earn a paycheck in some in some depending on your outlook, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I yeah I kind of hope he gets paid. He deserves it. He'd be a great addition to somebody's team. I mean, I'd love to see him come back to the Nationals. I don't know if that's going to happen, but who knows? With Strasburg opting out of his last hundred million bucks on his four years that he had left, I mean, maybe that opens up room for the Nats to 
to throw out a big dollar. I know Scherzer's eating up a, a bunch of money, but yeah, he's I, well I, worth it too. I think uh, if you were, if I were, gun to my head, who's going to come back between? I think one of them will come back. I think I think Strasburg's more likely to come back than than Rendon. I think Rendon. Um, I've got a couple of I've got a, like a bold prediction in the back of my head, um, and I'm sure we'll revisit it over the offseason. But I think Rendon's going to be a White Sox. You know, he's going to be a member of the White Sox by the end of the season. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's too easy of a test case for uh for after Machado, you know, left him high and dry. But um, yeah. And I see what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, Maybe, I mean, yeah, they try a little harder this time to get the guy the, they to have play to. that corner. They have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with, I think Rendon really, you know, I always, I always have a hard time when it's a pitcher. I get why they did it. You know, 14 innings, 14 strikeouts, just, you know, dominant, totally get it. But, you know, yeah. I don't think his performance on a winning team. I mean, you know, Grinky had a tough time the first time out, but but man, did he throw a throw an absolute like he put on a clinic. Oh man, know, in game just seven, a, a, efficient as can be, just really efficient. It was uh, well done. I mean, between that and then, I mean, even his game three performance, which wasn't as efficient, but held it together the whole time. I mean, yeah, Grinky had a great series. He did. You can't take that away from him. So, um, all right, last uh, last thought on, on this World Series before we get into the bigger picture stuff. Um, bat carry, you like it <laughs> or do you love it? <laughs> didn't Bregman say that he got caught up in the moment? He didn't even try to do you that? Know, he was just so but... tired of that. <laughs> so tired of it. I mean, to me, I don't know. I mean, it. I'm mean, let them have some fun and everything else, but it just seems like it, it. It would be. I mean, we're all cool with the bat flip, right? I mean, we've all gotten to the point where that we're pretty much all pretty cool with the bat flip, and I like the bat flip better than the bat carry, right? And so, to me, if you'd have gotten like halfway down to first and realized, oh look, I still got the bat in my hand, and then done some magical twirl with it or something like that, like a baton or something. Uh, great man or even just fling it to the side i think that's even better and cooler than what he did i don't want to make too much of an issue out of what ended up happening um but yeah i wish you would i wish you would have done something different but i I think we can all agree it's not the preferred celebration but don't apologize after the fact it just it just Mm -hmm. feeds into this like juan soto had the perfect response like it looked cool so i did it Yep. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Like, you know, Bregman is like, you're just, you're just feeding the beast when, when you go into this whole, well, my emotions got the best of me because it's the world series. Yeah, exactly. Let it get the better of you. You know yeah, what I mean? Go, go for it. Right. I mean, it, why not? Soda wasn't shy about it. You, and he wasn't like he was trying to show him up. Right. It was more like, Hey, he got to do it. And I thought it was cool. So I did it he too. Literally and, and he literally said it looked cool, man. He's yeah. And, golly. and, and he was trying to, and he wasn't even fully figuring out how he wanted to do it when he did it. When he went to drop the bat off to the first base coach, it was the first base coach is trying to give him a high five, but also get the bat at the same time. It was all clunky and stuff. It's something that, you know, obviously they didn't practice. It all happened that same day, right? Yeah. Same game, right in the middle of the game, it all figured out. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, but he didn't apologize, and nor should he have to, right? No, get the hell out of here with this apology stuff. You know what? The whole it just you it will MLB will figure it out. Yep. They will figure it yep. out someday, where they're going to let their guys actually enjoy playing baseball, show that they enjoy playing baseball, and not have to apologize. They'll figure it out. I trust they have very smart people. Yeah, but I'm tired of. I am less tired of talking about it. And more tired of having to talk about why we're talking about it. Yeah. Like I, I, the other day I put one out, a tweet out that was just a poll and it was about, all right, well, what if the guy goes up there, hits a dinger and then everybody gets up off the bench and they form a conga line and they go around the bases together in a conga line. What do you think? Is that too far or is that okay? Right. And uh, 60% of the people that voted in the polls were like, no, that's cool. I'm all right with that. Right. I'm like, okay, well then if they're all right with that, obviously the back carry to first base, I mean, is nothing it means absolutely nothing and it i think we've already spent too much time on it ourselves agreed it's cool. let it be bregman cool soto cool back carry baseball world series all of it's cool give me more just let it happen all right well exactly. that that's a perfect time to slide into the first break here when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about not just this World Series, but we're going to put a little bit of a bow on the last uh, decade of World Series. So we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, so... For our next uh, segment, uh, what I wanted to do is um, just this past week, I had put out an article on, you know, sort of looking at the past decade of World Series and then just slapping a sort of a green stamp, red stamp on each series. Looking yeah, at, it's red stamps for everything. There yeah, were no Yankees just, in any of the World Series. That's red it. stamp times 10. So, yeah. next segment. Next <laughs> we're done. We're done. Finished. Yeah, no Braves. <laughs> No Braves either. I don't even know why I did it. Um, yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. I um, say we go back to the, do the 2000s then or something like that. We'll just do the 90s well, and the 2000s. Yeah, all right, 90s and 2000s. I'll, I'll deal with the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. I'll suffer Perfect. through that. But so with the last like 10 years, basically what I, what we, I wanted to do is just sort of like at least put it into two different buckets. Is it a dud or is it a classic? Is it something like 2012 where really nobody remembers what the heck happened? Or, you know, is it like 2011 where, you know, I contest is probably one of the single greatest World Series games ever played. So, um, you know, basically we just wanted to look at a few just so you know where the we'll talk about. We'll just quickly list what we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about 2010 because it sucked. We're not going to talk about 2012. Probably the worst of the bunch, to be honest with you. Tigers were completely outclassed. Um, we're not going to talk about 2013. All of, it was weird. It was weird and unique, and I'll give you that. But it is just everything in between the weirdness, not great. Um, and any time a game and a World Series game ends on a pickoff, you should automatically be disqualified. <laughs> Um, and then we are not going to talk about 2018 because oh. one long game does not warrant 
a good World Series. God, that was a great game. Man, I was tired the next day. Yeah, good game. <coughs> but <coughs> one non-deciding um one non-deciding 18 inning marathon. Mm. Ugh, not going to happen. So we're not yeah. going to talk about those. So Jim, you know, looking at the list, uh I know you've got a particular favorite, but what are just some like honorable mentions uh from your perspective uh, on this list? I mean, in the last decade, I love the 2014 World Series as one of my favorites. I'd say out of the last decade, eh, it's probably third on my list. Giants Royals, that was a gem. Getting Bumgarner to go on nuts and relief in the seventh. Does Gordon final make it game. home? Does Gordon make it home? He should. I, I think he makes it home too. <laughs> but that was a that was a beautiful series. I mean, there was there's actually been some gems in this last decade. I mean, when you think that's like a, my third favorite. I mean, that's True. I mean that. As two wild card teams, if I remember correctly, that went at each other in that one. Yes. Um, yeah. It's a, it, was a, it was a fun one. It was a fun one for everybody. You didn't have to be a fan of either of those two teams to enjoy that one. A um, little bit better than that one to me was probably the Houston Dodgers series. I enjoyed the heck out of that series. I think maybe some of it's just because I was getting into the stats more. I was starting to do the Twitter thing more. That helped out a lot, so I was really tied into it. But I mean, we had a, I mean, we had a game that had like five extra inning home runs in it. I mean, that it was just ridiculous how that game, that series played out. Completely fun. I just remember checking the score. I made the mistake of going to sleep one of the games. And it was like five to two or so five to four. And then it was 13 to 12 when I got up the next day. And I was like, I'm never going to sleep during a World Series game ever again. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, right? Exactly. That's what I was like. What's going to happen when I was on that airplane for game six uh, this year? I was like, oh, man, I do not like missing any of this because you never know what's going to come down, right? Right. And so, like, yeah, like you said, you go to sleep, you got one type of game, and then when you get it back up, it's a different one. When I got on that airplane, it was a 2-1 game. Houston's in the lead. They're already up three games to two in the series. By the time I landed and I was able to check the score, I was like, sweet, we're going to game seven. And then I started getting the rest of the news, and it's like, ah, I need to make sure I never schedule a vacation. It's going to put me away when I, when there's a game on. It's just it's, it's a, a sacred series, time right? of year. It's a sacred time of year. Right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like opening day to me times 400 and i love opening day yeah so, exactly um but my favorite world series in the last decade gotta be a cubs cubs indians for me that, that was, had it all you now let me ask you this because i i agree that this this obviously fell into my classics bucket but i actually found the first like five games so a little bit like this series to be kind of a slog. It just really, I remember at one point, it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Indians were up three games to one, or was it the yeah. Cubs were up three games to one? Oh, no, it was definitely the Indians up the three Indians, games to okay, one. Okay, so the Indians yeah. are up three yeah. games to one, and it was like pitching duel after pitching duel, and I just remember thinking like, ooh, all right, you know, when's this going to get really good here? And then it just exploded. Like, yeah, it was a really weird series. I mean, I kind of I enjoyed how it played out in its in, in its way, right? I mean, uh, I mean, game one, Roberto Perez hits a pair of dingers out of the nine spot. Kluber pitches a pretty good game, gets things rock and rolling. Cubs come right back and 
fight hard in the second game. I mean, they were ridiculous at the plate, drawing eight walks, nine hits, um, and even up the series. And then you get game three, a one nothing ball game. I mean, yeah, it, it's you know neither neither starting pitcher even finished the fifth. And you still got a one nothing ball game. It's not your classic one nothing ball game. It's so, true. Yeah. You know, it, it, just the way it was starting to set itself up. Yeah, were the games? I mean, when it when the when the series isn't on the line, it seems like it's tough to get the game to be a, that super hype, right? We love when it's elimination time, yeah, clinching time or sudden death, right? But you know, I there has I think to be if, consequence. There has to be like immediate gratifying consequence. Yeah, Game 4 was probably the biggest clunker out of that. But, I mean, the one thing that Game 4 did for the 2016 World Series, it set it up. It set up the three-game-to-one lead that the Indians had that was going to be the, the, the time that the Indians were finally going to break their curse, right? Right. These Both these teams came in with a curse in 2016. So yeah, People forget um, about that. You know, it's easy for the for the to bury the lead with the title droughts, but the Indians had and still have a fairly impressive title drought. Yeah, I mean, it's well, they were at 68-year drought back then, so... I think you're right, yeah. Three on it, 71 years added up to it now. I mean, we're reaching entire people's lives area. Well, we we're we're at like if people will have you know been born and died, living reasonable reasonably long lives, and yeah, never have seen an Indians. They they have been one game away from an Indians World Series championship. Yeah, I'm no spring chicken. My father was uh, not quite one years old when the Indians won their last World Series, right? <sighs> And that it took, and it was forty years less of a drought than the Cubs had that year. They were at one hundred and eight, so yeah, um, it was drought versus drought that year. I mean, there were two franchises with fans that were like, "Finally, it's going to be our year, right?" And then Cleveland gets the three to one lead, and it's like, "Oh, yeah, the lovable losers are just going to keep being the lovable losers. The Indians are going to break their smaller, crazy long drought." And uh, and then yeah, then the rest of the series happened after that. So what what's your what's your play like for me the most memorable play of that series was uh, the ball bouncing off of Ross's mask and uh, two runs score I know Kipnis was one of them I forget who the other one was uh, I want to say it was Rajai Davis uh, you know as cool as the Rajai Davis home run off Chapman was and it was incredible it was electric. For me, the coolest play was that two-run uh, stolen base error, I guess you'd call it, or a pass ball error. And and that was when I just knew this series. It, it, there were so many unique happenings. There were so many times you were like, is this really happening? Like during the, that last, the latter part of that series. That, yeah, um, I mean, there was so that seventh game had everything in it, like you're talking about. I mean, that that was off of uh, Lester, if I'm if I remember correctly. Um, oh, after Lester yeah. came in and uh, Lester came in and relieved uh, Hendricks. Um, Hendricks had pitched, you know, okay, but uh, yeah, then Lester comes in. And I think he gives up a, a a double right off the bat, and then instantly right behind it gives up that. Uh, I mean, I think uh, it was classified as a wild pitch if i remember correctly no and yeah and then two runs scored off of it i don't think it was a wild pitch and i think that was some of it too was that um gosh i don't even think it was a double before it actually i think it was a squib base hit in front of the home plate that 
um, gosh, was it Montero that was pl- catching that day? No, that was Ross. Oh, it was Ross, yeah. And uh, then there was an error to go with it, and that's how they got runners on second and third, right? So Lester comes in in relief. Um, yeah, first thing he does is gives up a, a, a you know a, a hit that's got a um, a. 28 mile per hour exit velocity <laughs> with a negative 44 degree uh, angle on it, right? I mean, and then it ends up being a, a single with an error, and next thing you know, got runners on second and third. Then you get that silly wild pitch slash pass ball error that scores two, right? Um, and then it was, uh, man, there was so, and then that was the game when Lindor like made that incredible play to send it to extras if i'm not that was the and then the rain delay and jason hayward's like magic voodoo like yeah 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 there was all sorts of stuff in that game um i mean they got to uh you know uh there was a leadoff home run to even start that game yeah dexter fowler led the game off yeah it took off with a home run right off the bat to start the game um when uh when kluber got knocked out um in the fifth inning, a Baez dinger took him out of the game, and so who are you going to bring in if you're the if you're the Indians? You're going to bring in Andrew Miller, right? And right. Then Andrew Miller gets a run squeezed out of him in that same inning. I mean, with just hard nose playing, just small ball, right? And then eventually, um, then David Ross hits that dinger off of Andrew Miller that he hit. Right. right. That was dramatic in itself to to kind of give him that six to three lead right after he'd made those that. Wild right. pitch pass ball and the error that was before it, right? The very bottom half of that inning, or the top half of you know, the next inning, yeah, he gets one back off of Andrew Miller to make it 6-3, and 6-3 set it all up, right? I mean, here comes Chapman in, and here's Rajay Davis at the plate with with one on, and now it's a 6-4 ball game at that point. And there's, right. I mean, it, it, Chapman just got done, I think, battling with the, I think it was Brandon Guy or something like that. Yeah, it was. Um, it, yeah, no, you're right. It was Brandon Guy because eventually he hit the double. Yeah, that, that opened set... up first base. Yeah, or no, something got... like that. It, it, it was Geyer and then it was because I didn't think Guyer was going to get a hit. Yeah, now I got to look. Yeah, they were back to back seven pitch at bats <sighs> off of Chapman when he first came in. So yeah, a Geyer battle followed by a Rajay Davis seven pitch dinger on a two two count. Right and. I mean, it was just power versus no power, and the power right. was Chapman, obviously. And so you get that dramatic in the eighth inning. It's like now it's a tie ball game in the six or six six, right? Right. And then you get then you get the Hayward play, right? Stealing a base, reaching third on the air to go with it. There's only one out at that point. And then what do they do? They try to bunt. They try oh, to bunt. Oh yeah, to get that's right. It was right? Baez who tried to bunt and just totally flubbed it. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, next guy gets out. They don't score. Uh, go to the bottom of the ninth. I mean, Chapman continues to cruise through the ninth, if I remember correctly. And then uh, and then you get the tenth, right, where right. finally um, they crack through on Brian Shaw there for a couple of runs and take an 8-6 lead in the bottom of the tenth. And, and then even Rajay Davis comes back up again in the bottom of the tenth and drives in a run, right, gets the first base. I know the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, well, he's – 
two out RBI by, right. by Davis to get it back within one. Davis is going to be stealing on the first pitch, right? And he never gets a chance. Um, Mike Montgomery comes in and pitches for the Cubs. I think he throws uh, two pitches and gets a ground ball out. Game's over. But yeah. it was just the way that Game 7 had so much different things from the leadoff home run all the way to that 10th inning against pitchers like Andrew Miller and Chapman and Lester and, uh, and I mean, David Ross being some sort of hero, you know, afterwards, even though what happened in the game was kind of crazy for him. He had a nutty game seven. So he kind of, you know, it's, then, it's so true, man. It's, it's, uh, that game really did have the complete package in terms of drama. I would yeah. say like that that's the series that you know was it was a good series made great by that individual game. I, I think yep. probably now like in the context of the decade, so so you've got a choice and maybe this is a good Twitter poll. 2016 game seven, 2011 game six. Oof. Because that's the see to me that is uh, and I wrote about this for Baseball Almanac. To me, like that game supplanted like seventy five game six, you know, as the greatest game ever played. Because to me, it just showed you the fragility of the most of the World Series and how quickly it can be taken from you. Um, you know, I'm. I am surprised that Nelson Cruz did not wear that as poorly. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, as you know, he seems to have uh, <coughs> really not had to wear that for his career. But but uh, so I mean, I guess that I think this is a good Twitter poll. Um, yeah, twenty sixteen that... game six, uh, game seven, twenty eleven game six. Because to me, man, twenty the thing I loved about twenty eleven game six. Every inning brought something. I mean, oh, yeah. the, it, it brought botched. And, and then you look back at it, you know, and, um, you know, you look at, and I think it was in like the third or fourth inning, and um, uh, Elvis Andrews, uh, you know, skies a throw <coughs> to first on a double play. And that double play turns out to be hugely critical as the game goes on. Uh, Jaime Garcia you know, starts the game for the Cardinals, gives up, I think, like two runs oh, in the first yeah. inning. And then the the Cardinals answer, and they're just and, – and finally this game just whittles down. I think it was back-to-back jacks by Adrian Beltre and Nelson Cruz, question mark. I don't remember who the other one was. In the, the tenth inning – or in the, in the eighth inning to, like – give the lead that freeze eventually erased like, yeah top of the seventh beltray crew is the right off the bat off a of lynn yeah Lance right yeah. i i just like so i i wonder between these two games because ultimately what it did was it validated david freeze as if you extrapolate just his world series performance i mean i think he has i think he drove in like an insane amount of runs during that series. I think it was like 20 plus runs or something nuts. Yeah, he was all over the dang place in that series. I mean, he's one of the one World Series MVPs that you don't really question. <laughs> right. He's like the unanimous choice. So yeah, like exactly. so my question becomes to you, Len, okay. 
20, you know, what between those two games? I, I for me, it's 2011, but I, I think there's a valid case for either. I mean, yeah. the 2011 game is ridiculous. I mean, it's been, we're so far removed from it now that if you go back and you look at it and you, you start dissecting it, I mean, they played 11 innings and they, I mean, the third inning was the only inning that neither team scored, right? right. I mean, in, in a final of 9 to 10, um, you got to come back in there, right? I mean, a back and forth battle, it's, it's one nothing. It's two one. It's two two. It's three two. It's three three. It's four three. It's four four. And then it's seven four. And then it's seven five seven seven. Next thing you know, you're in extras. Both teams score in the tenth two times, make it nine nine. And then in the eleventh, the Cardinals, you know, get the get the walk off. And I mean, it's just back and forth, battle, 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 and and all the stuff that you're looking for. I mean, it seemed like everybody in that game had a hit and an RBI or a hit and a run scored. It was they 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 brought everything. And then all that was was just to push Game Seven, which don't get me wrong, was pretty dang important for the Cardinals. And right. they're the ones that won Game Six and Game Seven. And, and, so, and game seven yeah. was a good game too. It's just it lives it lives just like nineteen seventy five. It, it or any great game six. If you go back in the history of World of Series, any great game six that went to game seven, the game six is the one that really steals the headlines. In most cases, now, you know, exception be for twenty fourteen. You know when when uh, they you know game seven being more memorable. Yeah, but it wasn't a great game six either. So. Exactly. I just, I just feel like, I feel like this. We will need the masses to hash this out because, I, I, I think that's the hill I'm willing to die on. The that yeah. 2011 game six may be the greatest. Well, I would say confidently is the greatest game ever played. Oh. With due respect to 2016, because that was an incredible game too, and the fact that it was a game seven only adds to it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm gonna find out. I'm I'm, I'm gonna ask the 35 people that do my polls and nice. see what they say about those the, two games. The this that that is uh, 33 more people than us, and yeah. that's what counts. So I can assume that your 2011 World Series is your favorite World Series of the decade, or what? You know, actually, I'm going to surprise you here. Um, my, I think the 2011 one is the greatest World Series. I think my favorite is 2015. All because right. that series was utter chaos, and I loved it. It was the first pitch of the freaking series is an inside-the-park home run from the lightest hitting, like probably one of the worst hitters like in the history of anything. You know, Alcides Escobar, just like... And it's not just a, just a uh, inside-the-park home run. It's a stand-up inside-the-park home run. Then the Alex Gordon, you know, he's an okay, he's fine. He hits <coughs> he hits the game tying home run in the ninth inning off off of um, uh, Familia. And you know, the, for me, it was it was mostly because of the um, the way that they did it. And the memories that it sort of created, it's the inside the park home run, pop, there's 2015. Eric Hosmer dashing home and like that excellent picture of Hosmer sliding in and you just see all the Mets fans behind the glass just losing their gourd, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. That series was complete and utter 
chaos and and it was it was fantastic it was it was awesome and uh, so i think that's my favorite albeit that it didn't produce the quality of games that 2011 2016 uh did but i just feel like it's one of those things like i i acknowledge like you know that uh, I acknowledge that this record, you know, I acknowledge that Sergeant Pepper's is the most uh, is the greatest record. I get it, but you know, these other, this other record is probably my favorite. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That. I mean, it, it was a great series for a five game series. Uh, I mean, get extra inning game uh, to start the series and to end the series. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun one to watch. I loved that one. That was a that's a great that's a great call, and I would have never expected a five game series to be the one that you would have picked out of the yeah, most the entertaining. Maybe that's the one I'm looking for. It's, it's the word better use of the word. It's the most. It was the most minute by minute entertaining series. Like knowing that you know right around the fifth game when you knew the Royals when you know and Matt Hall oh, is the Matt Harvey right this is when Matt Harvey goes to Terry Collins and demands to get put back in the game and that's that's when the wheel that all unravels for New York and he he never really recovers after that his career just comes yeah. off the rails so so I mean I don't know I I think I think that it's possible to uh, differentiate between the best and your favorite. And I yeah, think that's, there, that's how I look at it. There was a lot of late inning action in that series. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a good way to put it. I like that. All right. So, um, we're going to take another quick break here and then we're going to come back and we're going to wrap it up with Jim's stat spotlight. Uh, talking about my favorite, uh, one of my favorite world series things, MVPs on teams that lost. So we'll be right back. back uh jim it's uh it's time for the stat spotlight to to head us out for the evening so tell me what you got so uh you know this was something that you and i talked about earlier in the week about world series mvps and we were talking about george springer could have been the mvp of the world series this year if things would have just played out a little bit differently the way that I predicted that it would have played out with the Astros winning and not the way you predicted with the Nationals winning. But, um, you know, so I went back and I, I decided I'd take a look at basically seven-game series uh, uh, because that kind of gives you a, a, a larger sample size. And uh, then looking to the losing side of it and to see who was the one that would have probably been named the MVP um, if that series would have just ended a little bit different, right? The George Springer of 2019. And so I went in recent memory, or at least as long as I've been alive, basically. So I went back and checked over like the last 40 years to see um, who I thought might have been snubbed from there chance of being an MVP only because their team didn't win. So I got 
a small ranking of maybe a top five here that I'd like to go through with you. Sure. Talk uh, to me. If you want to take this ride down a memory lane with me, I know Let's do some it. of it's might be older than you and some of it i was <laughs> too small to ever remember but after researching on it it's some of it feels like yeah i like to i like what they did and I don't, it stinks that they didn't get a chance to win the mvp so my top five starting with number five uh sandy alomar uh 1997 oh, he catches man. Every game in that series catches every game in that series. Uh, I believe it was games two, three, four, and five. He has a multi-hit game in every game. Um, team loses in seven games, right? Uh, dramatically, in, yeah, dramatically in seven games, yeah, no less. Yeah, that would that would ended that uh, that drought that we were talking about earlier. Right, that ended yeah. at forty-nine years or something like that, right? Only. But, <laughs> Yeah, but they didn't. But it didn't happen. Sandy Alomar doesn't get that hardware. He doesn't get the ring, and uh, and Cleveland gets the loss. Um, number four on my list. Uh, I would have been like five when this happened, but Robin Yount in the nineteen eighty two World Series, right? Oof. Goes goes seven games against the Cardinals, um, and uh, Yount has two four hit games in that series to help out the Brewers. And the rest of the Brewers just flat out don't show up, and somehow still he, you know, it gets to seven games, um, but they don't they don't win. Count uh, not only uh, does he come, become the only person that ever hits four hits in multiple games in the World Series in the same World Series, but nobody's ever done it in any postseason series ever, right? It's so amazing. not nobody's had two four hit games in an NLDS or an LLCS or any of it, right? Just that one time in the World Series in eighty two and Yount doesn't get the hardware that goes with it. So it's pretty amazing too. One, he was one of the great he was one of the greatest contact hitters I mean in the game. Just pure contact. Yeah, ridiculous. I remember was watching him as a kid, just a little bit that I could get on the TV back in the day, and uh, just watching him, uh, yeah, just flat out finding the gaps, right? And if it wasn't in the gap, it was just short of the field. There, he was. He, I'll take the single, right? He was, he was a pure hitter. Loved every bit of it. Um, number three on my list, uh, some guy named Mark Lemke. My dude, Mark yeah. the Lemmer. Yeah, 1991 series against the Twins goes seven games. Lemke has three triples, three triples in that series. I mean, nobody does that. And you know, for this was, and the thing about it too, it was, it, it was that series because uh, Mark Lemke is like my all-time favorite player. It's just there are those who don't know. I have an autographed baseball on my wall from Mark Lemke. That actually reads almost 91 World Series MVP. I'll have to make sure I tweet it out because <laughs> it is, and and he was so he was so good in that series. He was he was phenomenal, and you know the and it was just like it was the turf in the in the dome in the in the um, in the Metrodome. It was the way that the ball would bounce and carom. It was just one of those series that um, absolutely had he won. He's the MVP. It's not even close because the rest of the team did not really show up to hit. That was a pitcher series. 
It gave him, uh, I mean, fame, right? I mean, he got fame off of that. It's like Sid Bream, right? It's that type yeah. of fame where, you know, he he wasn't a great player, you know, I mean, really in any means, right? Was he, I mean, fielding-wise? He was okay. He was never, I mean, he he was one of those players that just, you you liked him on your team. Like, if you, he was a player's player, okay? He yeah. was He was a guy that... You know, you didn't mind. You could always want if he wasn't a second baseman, if he was a third baseman, if he was an outfielder, if he was a shortstop, he would have been, you know, a quad A guy. But the fact that he yep. played second base with enough proficiency, you know, that in and that series, that series, I I feel like that series added years to his career because it was just yep. everybody looked and thought maybe he could do it again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, he had two triples all year that year. He had three in the World Series. I mean, and I don't. Even, how many times did he hit over ten home runs? I mean, maybe twice. Zero. Yeah. Not, no, See, he never got there. That's what had, I'm saying. I mean, he, he only had 32 career <laughs> home runs, and so it's like, okay, well, obviously he's got to be more valuable in some other manner, right? He had 11 stolen bases. He was caught 19 times in 30 tries. I mean, the, a lifetime 71 OPS uh, yeah. plus, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. There wasn't anything special about Mark Lemke except for that series or that, that postseason, I think, in general, if I remember correctly. There's, there's nothing think, special about Mark Lemke except yeah. that series. 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, yeah. How do you top the lemmer, man? Yeah. So, um, I didn't have, yeah. I mean, it felt tough to get past Lemke, but the 1986 World Series, right? Um, I think, I mean, it, it, I mean, everybody always focused on the Buckner thing, yeah, and then the right. Mets got it. And I'm a Yankee fan, so I didn't mind the Red Sox not winning that, even if it was only nine years old when it happened, right? Right. Uh, I'm fine with that. But when you go back and you look at it, Bruce Hurst, right? I mean, we talked about pitchers being MVPs. Bruce Hurst earned that MVP that year. Um, he pitched uh, – he, he started game one, uh, throws eight innings, gives up no runs. He goes – and then they don't pitch him again till game five. He throws a complete game, gives up a mm. pair of runs, but you know, solid effort. So he's 2-0. and um, And then they start him in game seven. And in Game Seven, he's got five good innings in already. He's up three nothing, and then the sixth inning, they kind of single and walk him to death in the sixth inning, right? right. And uh, and so by the time he gets out of the sixth inning, it's a tie ball game. It's three three, and um, Mets at home. Bruce Hurst, AL pitcher, top of the seventh comes rolling around. It's his turn in the lineup. They pull him out. Yeah. And then it's history from there. The guy doesn't do anything for him. They bring in, uh, I think, Chiraldi was the next in line. And the first thing he does is give up a home run in the top of this or in the bottom of the seventh. And the Mets are on their way to winning a World Series. So basically, Bruce Hurst, I mean, his first 22 innings pitch that that postseason or in that World Series, give up two runs, right? Picked up two wins. His last inning, the 23rd inning that he pitched, he gives up three runs. Still, 23 innings, five runs. Yeah, if they win the World Series with that type of numbers, with what everybody else put up in that series, to me, he's the MVP. So 
the Red Sox, they were looking at a long streak at that point, too, right? That's probably right. What, 70 years, I think, at that point, 1916 to 1986. It was the most and, publicized streak, if nothing else. Yeah, especially at that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that was my second snub. And then uh, of all the, the ones that, that could have been an MVP on a team that didn't win in the last 40 years, only looking at these seven-game series because of just how great seven-game series are, there were plenty to look at in the last 40 years. Right. Um, Barry Bonds, 2002 against Oof. the Angels. Silly, silly. Yeah, uh, they they don't they just take the bat out of his hand, right? I mean, they do that the whole entire series, right? But when they don't take the bat out of his hand, I mean, I think he only had like I can't remember what it was like eighteen at bats after playing in all seven games, uh, and still gets four dingers and a couple doubles, right? But they walked him thirteen times in that series. That's that that to me just. You know, we we can't overstate the presence of Barry Bonds in your lineup. It's almost like an automatic non-out. Yeah, I mean, the guy that started this whole conversation for George Springer had an eleven twelve OPS this postseason. We're like, yeah, he could have been the he could have been the MVP eleven twelve OPS. And that's <laughs> after having had... a five hundred OPS in the LCS. Yeah, right. Bonds had a twelve ninety four slugging. And a 700 on base percentage in the 2002 those World are, Series. Those are like video game numbers. A 700 on base percentage. I, I mean, I'd have to go and do some research, but his on base percentage in that World Series is higher than probably half of the dang people's uh, uh, the MVPs that won slugging percentages, right? right. I mean, it's just it's probably higher than it, team OPS. Yeah, for winning it's teams. Silly. I mean, he had a 700 OBP that year just in that series. I mean, your boy Mark Lemke had a 641 OPS in his career. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. It's, anytime you can draw a line between Lemke and Bonds, I'm 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 kind of I, I, it just makes me think of like Judge and uh, and uh, Altuve standing next to each other. It's like yeah, this yep. this is this this is why this is this is why people love baseball. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So th- those are the ones, just going back, just a, in a somewhat recent past that I uh, I wanted to mention that, and I'm sure there's plenty more out there that were part of like five games or six game series that I didn't right. even, I didn't even calculate and put into my, my looking here. So, um, yeah. So yell at me if you think there's somebody else that uh, should have won the MVP, didn't because their team didn't win. Yeah, no, that, that's I'd awesome. Love Let's, I'd, we'd love to hear from you on that. Uh, you know, make let us know uh, at the uh, Romantic About Baseball Twitter, uh, which is at RM. Oh, I got to think about this. What's my Twitter handle? At RMNTC Baseball, at Passing Jim, at Adam Cmac. Let us let us know, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks for tuning in.